You're listening to The Rest of Us on The Rest of Us Podcast Network. The Rest of Us is currently funded by the donations of our listeners. If you would like to donate, please see our donation link in the description of this podcast. If you own or represent a business and are interested in sponsoring The Rest of Us, please contact us at PR at restofusmedia.com. Here's our opportunity to talk about our character, Emma, the service dog. One of the most fascinating things I learned about having a service dog is that they're not binary, right? That I think of a lot of the dogs we interact with on a daily basis, and we teach them sit and stay in these basic commands, and it's input-output, right? They're input-output machines. And that's great. That's like what most people do. There's some comedian, ironically, from Ohio that's like... (laughs) he's talking about how he has a basset hound and people give him shit because his basset hound's an idiot he's like yeah i'm not asking it to do my taxes so he sleeps on the couch (laughs) his job like we're good yeah but they have they have a job to do uh and they actually like and somewhat profoundly take it really really seriously it's really what blew my mind and so like all jobs there's a pyramid to this and the pyramid is uh effort plus talent the ability to acquire a new skill and so emma was a rescue and there are a bunch of dogs that go through the process of becoming a service dog it's a wonder like a legitimate service dog takes a profound amount of input and energy 10 20 000 hours of work they're very rare like legitimately trained actual service dogs require i want to say 2000 that seems that's roughly a one full-time year and that seems about right so to expand that to cost right so if i have to hire you full-time right they're 30 or forty thousand dollar medical devices at the end of the day and they're so well trained that you don't have to worry about them and there's there's a pyramid here right not all dogs can be service dogs as much as all dogs might like to be service dogs because they're handed a bunch of crazy things, right? They have to take care of themselves. They have to take care of me. They have to remember their training and they have to operate under like unideal conditions and basically constantly changing conditions. Service dogs are at the top of the pyramid of expertise. In the dog world? In the dog world. Well, I think that's the beauty of this, right? We can basically deflect and say, well, in the dog world, this is how it works. And people go, well, it's kind of our world too. <laughs> <laughs> so most jobs, most jobs don't have a dog, but most dogs also don't have a job. So, right. and that's, that's all that's expected of them. Yeah. Kind of going back to the idea that effort counts twice to some extent, you know, you can, you can train any dog to do a task, but only certain dogs will, you know, have the talent right and we'll put in the effort to become skilled enough to become a uh, a service dog so uh and and becoming a service dog i guess would be the the achievement portion of the duckworth formula right correct yeah yeah and and not all dogs can do it right because if you think of i mean to to translate this right we're you're putting dogs and or people into high stress environments and some of us can't handle it you know like that's the reality of it right like i would love to be a professional golfer but i can't be a professional golfer just like i can't be a horse jockey or any of these other things right like we're we're not all created equal and that's okay and it's uh 
instead of trying to regress toward the mean, it's more about going, well, I'm not good at this and you're good at this, Keith. So like, let's work together as a team and together we're unbreakable. Right. And, and, but it's also re like to do that, you have to be honest with yourself. And I, and, I, and I say that because I think of Emma and she was a rescue, which first profoundly blows my mind that anybody would have ever given up on her. But second, she put in the work and she put in the effort and she spent her thousand or 2000 hours in dog training and proved through all of these gates of expertise that she had what it took to be thrown into crazy environments and always handle it. Because from a, like, if you think about this from a dog's perspective, you can take her anywhere, right? We, yeah. we go fly in, we go drive in, we go into bars. She operates the same in all contexts. And from a dog, all of those are different things. It's not like you and me that goes, well, this bar is like every other bar. Yeah. Right. It's all um, un unique places with, with their own unique challenges to her. Yeah. And she can't talk and communicate like humans. So she's yeah. going, is this stressful? Do I need to take care of him? Am I stressed out? Right. Like I gotta, I gotta manage this whole situation. She takes it really seriously. If you put her vest on, she will nip at people that try to, to pet her. Oh, we've wow. gotten like, we've had cops called on us. Like we've been, we have been harassed to ends and means that you can't imagine because she was doing her job. She was doing exactly and explicitly what she was trained to do. But since people thought that was irregular behavior, they said, this yeah. dog's out of control, right? Like yeah. there was somebody that they approached from the rear. She was watching my six, like a good service animal. Somebody was approaching, she barked, she alerted as she should have, as she was trained. And then we basically almost got kicked out of it. said, you can't have your dog here. It's barking at my employees. It's threatening them. And I said, she did exactly what she's doing. You don't know her. You don't know me. You don't know her job, right? Like you've made some really broad assumptions here. Uh, and you basically discredited her expertise because she was yeah. so good at her job that like she executed perfectly. Emma doesn't know she's an expert right she just does what she does she she was trained to do it and she has she does it naturally uh, and so the difference between emma when she has the vest on and when she just has the collar on you know she's dog she's mode. like yeah she's there's there's dog mode and there's work mode you know and i think people are the same way right so if you ask if you ask an expert if they think they're an expert um, they won't, they won't just, they won't necessarily come out and say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm an expert in this. Um, because it's weird to think of yourself as an expert, you know, it's, it's something, it's something you know, like, I'm just a guy doing a job. Uh, so that's, that's kind of like the first paradox of expertise is being an expert. You don't want to call yourself that. And then the other one factually studies show that the longer someone spends in a field, the less effective they are at identifying the trends in that field. You get so keyed into the job as you've learned it that you don't realize that it changes around you. To that extent, like, can you lose expertise or can you lose that expert status? Kind of going back to our favorite character, Emma, do you think that she could lose her expertise given enough you know, time passing? Or let's say you put her into either permanent dog mode or permanent work mode, you know, 
do you think that if she yeah. stayed in work mode, she'd become less effective over time? I think what you're describing is mentorship. Uh, and that's a really fascinating dimension to look at it through. Emma is basically, oh man. So to tell the story of her, when I got her, man, I was a hot mess. Like I really was. And she was, she was a life-saving medical technology It's the best way to put it right she was a dog doing dog stuff and she was the best trained you're making me cry <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> no it's good it's good no it's emotions are good uh we need more emotions honestly like i'm i'm happy because it makes me think of how far her and i have come right it means she graduated yeah. when i got her I needed her more than I could even realize that I needed her, right? Like I remember not being okay. And I remember basically trying to have some control over my own medical decisions and being like, what I want is a service animal. And I think this would do it for me. And at that time, it was escalation ladders, meaning that the VA had protocols that you had to go through. So to get the service animal, you had to do these 704 steps before, because that was the highest level of the care basically, right? And instead of trusting the veterans to decide what they needed, right? To have any type of control over their care in life. And luckily uh, I got a service animal. She did exactly what I thought she would do. She was the best trained dog I had ever seen. She alerted. She did everything she should. I remember actually I was talking to my dentist about this, where she was trained, where depending on what I was going through, she could react differently, where she would crawl in my lap, where she would bite my arm, or she had these really complex ways of handling people and emotions and managing me, right? And it's really what started to bring the question that you asked about expertise in the question that she wasn't coin operated she knew how to sit and she knew how to do all of those commands but she loved me and because she loved me she took care of me and she knew the right ways to take care of me which aren't taught right this is, she it wasn't a rules-based machine she was taught if you care about somebody and you see them doing this you'll take care of them and that's what she did. And that was it, right? She was in, she was very much in protector mode yeah. when I got her. And I think for both of us, she's been in dog mode ever since, meaning that she did her job and she did her job well and she got through hell. I like, I often feel guilty because I couldn't see it, but I know how much I had to stress her out because I couldn't even get when she was alerting, right? Like she would just lose her mind, running around the house, biting me, right? Like doing everything she could to be annoying, to get me to focus on her, which was her job. That was what she was trained to do. And if I was so far gone in my head, I didn't see it. And then as we've become a better team, like, A, we don't have to do that anymore because she got me out of that world. And B, 
that she is an expert in in being a service dog and if she were a human she could go now tell other service humans what she had learned right yeah. and that's i think the part of this gap but expertise you're right in the sense that um we're always evolving and we if you have a choice between growth and fixed mindset and we can apply what we've learned and then we kind of like shut down because we have so much expertise in it. But at the same time, I would also argue that there's a lot of little lessons learned in all of that stuff. And the reality is that we don't evolve or innovate fast enough for that not to matter. We don't have new problems. And she has earned the right to be in dog mode constantly. And if she were a human, we would go, well, you can now be in dog, you're retired. You can be yeah. in dog mode constantly and you can now go train other service dogs about all of the things that you have seen and how you saved my life to go help the other service dogs, which is a guild. Yeah. But it's earned. She put in the work and we know she put in the work and then she experienced it. And because she had put in the work, both of those worlds added up to what is now expertise having spent a little bit of time with you and Emma, you know, when you guys came to stay with me, I was floored by not, you know, by how intuitive she was, you know, as, you know, as a, as a service dog, how well-trained she was and not just, I don't, I don't mean well-trained, you know, behavior wise, which she is an extremely well-behaved dog, but I mean to do her job and key in on anxiety and, I can't even describe how eye-opening it was for me. Um, and I don't, I don't have a service animal. I have, I do have a dog now, um, but he's, he's more like a potato than a dog. He just kind of lays around and, uh, you know, eats, eats dog food and farts and, and that's, that's it, you know, but uh, having Emma and seeing what she did and how she was able to help actually let me be more aware of um, of my own anxiety and uh, the things that I was dealing with and uh, just the the short amount of time that we spent together it kind of let me put a lot of my own you know internal feelings uh, in in perspective and to seek you know, to seek help either through like my therapist or to better apply the skills that I learned in therapy anyway, um, you know, and really realize when I should be using those skills. So my question, it's interesting because I had a different, like, that's fascinating because it also becomes the uh, assumption of expertise, right? Like it, like I know she works, right? And so yeah. like it was me being like, oh yeah, she's just doing Emma's stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> like almost to the point of like she could be really annoying sometimes. You're like, yeah, I get it. Like you're you are now stressing me out. Like I'm stressed <laughs> and you're jumping on me and yeah. these two worlds. Like I get it, man. Like leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> yeah. So um, the thing that always stuck out to me and that makes having a service dog hard is we went to like Spectrum store, right? And uh we walked in there with her 
and she sat and she did everything she was supposed to do and that lady was staring us down and i remember leaving that store and i go this is what it's like everywhere we go yeah and and so i'm curious what you took away from that so before that i mean i love i love dogs anyway so like if i see a dog in public it i i'm very much that weird guy that's like can i pet your dog i knew a few people that had emotional support animals which are different than service animals with them it seemed more like it was a an accessory you know like they knew people would give them attention for it and uh it was all the better because for them to like put it in a bright red vest or wrap a scarf around its neck and and they you know this is my service dog but it's really just a support dog and it's not trained to do anything in particular i didn't know prior to meeting emma that there was a difference, you know, I didn't understand the level of training. So now when I see a service animal in public, knowing the one, knowing the hard time that you had um, just from employees at, at you know, places, um, uh, <laughs> but then, you know, like wherever you go, not to, not to, yeah. you know, should talk anyone in particular, but um, I mean, because it wasn't just there. It was it was other places. People people look at you and they look at the dog and, and they want to ask questions and, and they want to come up to you. So now I don't do that. I I make it a point to, you know, give the working dog space, you know, to not be distracting to I won't. I definitely don't walk up to people who have a have a identified service animal uh and go can i pet your dog (laughs) all because like emma did work hard you know she does work hard and you don't realize that that's that's just what they're doing you know that's uh you don't realize they're working that's awesome i'm glad that you had that experience what makes it really hard on this side of the fence is we've given power to the minority in the sense that it should not be an incumbent upon the disabled to prove that they are disabled. Just like you wouldn't walk up to somebody in a wheelchair and be like, are you just lazy dude? You just not want to fucking stand up and walk. Like that'd be a preposterous statement. We do it with service animals. And we've also created this quandary where So in my opinion, I wasn't there when the laws were written. The service dog laws are loose for a reason because they're trying to protect dignity. Like the actual ADA laws, if you have a legit service animal, they don't have to have a vest. They can just be a dog. They listen better if they have, like true service animals listen better if they have a vest, uh, as you've witnessed. They have all kinds of like public access tests they have to pass. But the issue right now, and it's common among how we handle these social issues, is that we've taken a minority group, disabled people that need service animals, regardless of what that disability is, whether it's veterans dealing with PTSD, whether it's blind people, whether it's people suffering from any kinds of medical problems in which service dogs can help and we've created the idea and hidden behind the entitlements of the laws are loosely based and having traveled with her it's a pain in the ass to travel with the dog 
It really is. You know, like if you have a disability and your problem is crowds, people, anything, like all of that was really hard on its own, which is why I had her, right? Like <laughs> by definition, that's why she existed. And that's why I took her with me because her job was to have something to pet, right? Like as simple as that is. And her job was to remain calm and let me pet her, which is a really tough job if you have a really high strung person that's like, somebody's trying to kill me? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? <laughs> you know? And I see that because we would be going through the airport and this is tough. And then now we have to deal with every person questioning us simply because other people have abused the laws that existed under the premise that their medical devices right and i think like the real easy way to say it is you would never fake somebody being in a wheelchair but somehow it's become common to fake service animals you don't have to pay fees or you don't have to do this or that or it's just cool to get attention because your dog's in a bright red vest i guess my point is it's hard enough being disabled sometimes and we have now made it harder on the disabled by saying prove that you're disabled. And one of the things that I think excites me about the fourth industrial revolution is the concept of objectivity. Emma put in the work and the prisoners that trained Emma put in the work and individuals that train other service dogs put in the work and I put in the work, regardless of what that credential is, you put in the work. And then we used to have a different way to credentialize that, right? That was degrees and that was certifications. And we had metrics that made it easy to say, well, you're an expert in this because you have all the things that say you're an expert and those are hard to get. But now we've democratized this information, we've democratized this learning. And as a function of that, we have introduced the unintended consequence is that people can now just claim that they are experts. And we end up in a dilemma where actual experts never call themselves experts, Ex non-experts call themselves experts, and they can easily get the credentials. And now what the fuck does that mean? And so I say all that because a solution to this problem that has always been on my mind, I think Emma. Emma was a rescue that went through a nonprofit program where they taught prisoners how to train dogs. And that's how they spent their jail time, learning on the job training and actually rehabilitation, which is what we should do with prisoners. But the issue is that they, sorry, like this is, I can feel like my blood pressure rising. <laughs> it's, it's such an issue that shouldn't be. Prisoners put in work and they were willing grind and they were willing to train these dogs they were learning, willing to learn the on the job skills and be rehabilitated so the system worked the prison system worked they said i fucked up i want to not do this i want to train dogs yeah. emma put in the work uh and unfortunately they came out of prison and they are still felons that now train dogs it's a, that's a known problem across the system where it it doesn't really matter and and i mean so in tennessee it's it's hard to get a job you know if if you're not a felon <laughs> uh but when you have that significant barrier to entry you know anything that 
is going to get in the way of your employment. Um, and for those justice involved individuals, uh, even having a credential or a certificate, it, it helps, but it does not make everything go away. I think that's more of a social problem where people outside of the justice system, they either feel like it's their job to continually punish people that have made mistakes in their lives, or they're just unwilling to take a chance on somebody who was a felon. Well, it's probably both, right? And that's the shitty part is that I would like to oversimplify that issue. The problem is you want to give people chances, but you get burned, right? Which is you don't trust, which is what you're talking about. Or you just don't care, right? And you're like, well, fuck these. I'm looking for reasons to exclude this. You know, I have a pool of 20 and they have reasons to narrow this down. And this guy's a fucking felon. So, right? Scratch, scratch, scratch. Now we're down to, now we're down to 10 applicants. And this perpetuates the problem. And so I think as a solution to this problem, an idea that's always excited me, and I think this is the future when it comes to uh, smart contracts and some of these buzzwords you've probably heard from a technology perspective, is what if we introduce the idea, so Emma is microchipped, like all good dogs, or good dog owners. Yeah, what if her work log was stored on that microchip? She put in the work. And anybody that ever wanted to know if she put in the thousand and two thousand hours to become a work animal, like a service animal, yeah. is on her microchip, and cops could show up and scan it and be like, "This is totally a service animal," because she put in the fucking two thousand oh, hours. Yeah. Like it's a crazy amount of work, man. Yep. And likewise, prisoners were no longer felons who taught animals, but they were simply dog trainers. And you could tie all of this back because we're eliminating these biases and these labels where the idea is that you don't have to be a felon who is now a dog trainer. And here's this sob story about what you did. We can simply look at objective metrics, right? Have you spent 10,000 hours training dogs? Oh yeah, you did. You had a primary handler. And then likewise, if anybody ever wants to know if actually like kind of makes me mad that I would have loved to meet her dog trainers because they made a world of difference. I didn't get the chance, but if anybody ever had questioned whether her dog trainers are good, they could come ask me. And I would love that transparency in that chain, and which is a blockchain. Question though, do they, the company that trained her, they keep records, don't they, of the animals? Well, that's a different, oh man, oh man, you've stumbled on the fourth industrial revolution problem that we're solving, Keith. I feel a road trip coming on. <laughs> no, so this is this is very much by frustration. Prisoners put in the work. Emma put in the work. Yeah. The nonprofit put in the work, but they're not good business people. They're good oh. dog trainers. Yeah. Right. And so as a nonprofit, they have to post their books, which is shameful. They lost money because they spent all their money training service dogs for combat veterans. Right, which yeah. is a good fucking mission. They lost, I mean, they operated at like negative ten, fifteen thousand dollars, and they weren't like, well, it's not fucking Jeff Bezos here, right? Like, it's not be yeah. like, oh, you know, thanks for the loss, man. Like, you know, they were just good people, two people. And one was uh, like the ex sheriff, and the other was his wife. And they just cared about veterans. They cared about making a difference. And that was the end of it, right? And it, it, and I put myself in their shoes 
and I totally get it, right? Which means that they had their uh, character assassinated and it's shameful to go, I operated a business at a loss. I just wanted to help people and train dogs. I'm not a businessman. We don't have yeah. to be experts in everything. We have experts in everything. Yeah. The people that ran that not-for-profit, they they weren't experts at running a business, but they were experts at training a dog. Um, the, uh, a quote that, the quote that you wrote down on our cheat sheet for this episode uh, was, everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it'll live its whole life believing that it's stupid. I guess everybody has their own specialties and experiences and all of those things kind of combined to, you know, to, to help an individual develop their own personal expertise. Emma's expertise is, is managing Jeff. What's your uh, expertise? You have my, What do you spend your time doing? Um, oh man, I don't know. I never, you know, like, uh, so taught me okay. a lot about cooking. Yeah, I cook. I don't, I'm not like an expert. Emma is an expert in service dog stuff, but doesn't even know it. To her, she just loves to help. While I can't speak for her, I am confident that I know her well enough to know that the treats and experiences of going on adventures, especially in dog mode, are reward enough for her. What excites you, and how do you share that with the world? We'd love to hear from you. Are you passionately curious about something? Did this help? Did you hate it? Shoot us an email at contact at restofusmedia.com and let us know. The Rest of Us is currently funded by the donations of our listeners. If you would like to donate, please see our donation link in the description of this podcast. If you own or represent a business and are interested in sponsoring The Rest of Us, please contact us at pr at restofusmedia.com.